0: Good morning. This morning's scripture is found in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. Listening and Doing. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world.
1: We've been going through Matthew um, since I think the beginning of the year. And uh, we're going to continue that in Matthew 23. When I first seen this, I looked at Pastor Tanner and I said, You want me to give a message on what? <laughs> I said, This is not fun. But yeah, God was good and God is faithful. And uh, yeah. So have you ever been in a relationship where everything you, ha- you gave everything that you had into it, only for it to walk away? And I did get this approved by my wife, so she knows that this is coming. So get that out of the way too. This message has been approved by her. Um, I had a girlfriend before I met my wife. And I was driving truck at the time. And most times I was only home on Saturdays. And uh, she was in, in college at uh, Penn State riding. Or Burks, I guess whatever it's called, um, and I'd spend the time that I could with her on Saturdays, and uh, she needed some help going through school and everything like that, and uh, so I provided some finances for her and everything like that, and um, I forget the timeline, but a couple months, uh, something like that, um, she walked away, um, and I was left there standing, going, I thought I did everything right. I thought I uh, provided for you. I thought I helped take care of you. I gave you what I could. But now, to her defense, I'm not the perfect man. Now, although my wife did marry the perfect husband, so I'm going to put that in there. So <laughs> I've learned a lot from there. But I did make mistakes in relationships, and I'm not. And I'm not going to blame it all on her. But um, but yeah, she walked away. And that hurt that you felt, or that I felt afterwards. Um, it just, it, you stand there and go, what else could I have done? What could I have done? What could I have showed you? What, what, what else could I have done to show you that I loved you? And I bet you all are sitting there wondering how I'm going to tie this into Matthew 23. Because this surely does not look like something that looks like that, does it? I need all that right ahead. But if we look at the end of Matthew 23, in verses 37 through 39, we're going to let that be our guide through the day. We're going to look at it as uh, it's God's prayer or Jesus' prayer because he was hurting. He was left heartbroken. This was Jerusalem was the city that he was working with and that he was in. And he's like, you guys are so close. I spent this time with you. I've been with you. You know, the, you know my teachings. You know what I've done for you. You know, what, uh, you, you know all this stuff but yet you're not letting me save you. Like, Jesus is heartbroken. We're going to see how how hurt and how frustrated and how how heartbroken that he is. We're going to see in verses 1 through 36 um, just what was keeping the religious leaders of the time from being able to experience the love and the mercy and the grace and and experiencing God. Um, those, bro- those verses are broken down from 1 to 12. They're going to show us how the dangers of, of having all the knowledge of the Scriptures, but not having the wisdom and not letting it pierce your heart. Verses 13 through 24 will show us the dangers of having works, doing all the works, but you're missing out on God. And 25 through 28 will show us the empty and the desolate uh, lifestyle that it will bring. And twenty nine through thirty six, the ultimate consequences of missing out on God. We'll pray and then we'll get started, dear me, Father. We just thank you for how patient you are with us. We thank you for, uh, Lord, just being patient and just waiting for us um, to get it. And Lord, we thank you for all the ways that you've uh, that you've spoken to us already. And Lord, just. Uh, Soften our hearts to your Holy Spirit so that we can hear you and that we can see you. Lord, this, this message is not an easy message. But Lord, it's one that uh, keeps us sober and keeps us in line. And Lord, just thank you for this reminder. And Lord, uh, may you speak through me. Lord, this is not my message. This is your message. I'm the vessel that you're going to use. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you for that. And Lord, just uh, may your Holy Spirit come and fill in where I mess up, and Lord, anything that is not of you, may it fall to the floor. Lord, may you receive the honor and the glory for this. We just ask this for your honor and your glory. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. So if you haven't already, um, turn to Matthew uh, 23, uh, and we'll start, we will start in 37 through uh, 39, and this will lead us through the, through the rest of the message. It says, Oh, I'm reading from the New Living, so it might be a little bit different. But, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I wanted to gather you, your children, together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is left to you empty and desolate, for I tell you this, you will never see me again until you say, Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We see here twice where Jesus says, Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem. That's a cry. That's the heartfelt cry. He's saying, I can't believe you did this. I, I, I loved you. I was with you. But you wouldn't let me provide for you. You wouldn't let God provide for you. You wouldn't let me show you the way that God wants to take care of things. You won't let me heal you. You're sticking to your wicked ways. You're sticking to the things that you know. Jerusalem had a very, very special heart to Jesus. He would have went there multiple times as as a kid. His parents would have taken him there. That's where the temple was at. That's where they um, had all their feasts and they got together. And we know at least five times in the three years ministry that Jesus had on he was there at least five times. So it held a very, very crucial spot in his heart. So when he cries out, Oh, Jerusalem, O oh, Jerusalem, I've been with you. You've seen me grow up. You've seen the things that God has done. But you're missing out. Jesus' heart was broken because they were rejecting him. And we're going to see how they did that. In the verses 1 through 12 of Matthew 23. Then Jesus said to the crowds, and to his disciples. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of Scripture. So practice and obey whatever they say to you, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. They they crush you with impossible religious demands and never lift a finger to help ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with Scripture verses inside. They wear extra long tassels on their robes, and how they, are, how they love to sit at the head of the table at banquets and in their, the most prominent seats in the synagogue. They enjoy the attention they get on the streets and they enjoy being called rabbi. Don't ever, any, don't ever let anyone call you rabbi. For you only have one teacher and all of you are on the same level as brothers and sisters. And don't address to anyone here as father. For only God in heaven is your spiritual father. And don't let anyone call you master, for there is only one master, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The religious leaders did know the law and how to interpret and how to teach it, and they did wonderful doing it, but they missed God's heart. They didn't see it, and they let their knowledge and their wisdom go above and beyond what it ever should have because it was putting them in a place of authority and they were getting people to do things for them. And they were forgetting that uh, they would have probably heard the uh, Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, you know, be humble and you'll be uh, glorified. Like they missed out on these things. They were so, they loved their position. They loved their position of authority. They loved their position of power because they had people under them. They didn't have to do the things they didn't want to do. They had someone else do it where they kept themselves clean and they showed off and they kept other people down. And they said, well, you know, you're not supposed to do this, but, well, you know, behind closed doors, I can do this and I can do that. They were hypocrites and they were doing that and they were holding the people down. They weren't, sure, they weren't showing God's heart. They missed out on Zephina 16 through 20. You don't have to turn there, I'll read it for you. Because it's not an easy one to find. It's right in front of Hagar, so before I lose my place. That's they would have known this. Zephaniah 3, 16 through 20. On that day, the announcement to Jerusalem will be, Cheer up, Zion. Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God has arrived to live among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will rejoice over you with great gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will exalt you by singing a happy song. I will gather you who mourn for the appointed festivals. You will be disgraced no more. I will deal severely with all who have oppressed you. I will save the weak and the helpless ones. I will bring those together, those who were chased away together. I will give you glory and renown to my former exiles who have been mocked and shamed. On that day, I will gather you and bring you home again. I will give you a good name and a name of distinction among the nations of the earth. They will praise you as I restore your fortunes before their very eyes. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the stuff that they would have known. This is the stuff that they they should have seen God's heart. It is for the lost. It is for the ones that are being chased away. But they didn't see it. They looked at God's wrath and... We know what God did. We didn't want to be in exile and we didn't want to be you know, enslaved and we didn't want to be this. So they pushed all the laws even further over this way and created more laws. That wasn't God's heart. That wasn't God's intention. God gave us the, the freedom and ability. He, Jesus came to save us and to break those chains and break that stuff. But he missed their heart. He missed the heart of God. Jesus is heartbroken because I gave you this. I gave you this. You've seen this from the testimonies and, and from... The scriptures, again, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I wanted to gather your children as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you do not let me. They rejected God's protection. They rejected his love and his mercy because it was all about what they could do, and we'll see that here in verses 13 through 24. How terrible it will be for you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you won't let others enter the kingdom of heaven, and you won't go in yourselves. Yes, how terrible it will be for you, teachers of religious law, and for Pharisees. You have crossed the land and the sea to make one convert, and then you turn him into twice the son of hell as what you you yourselves are. Blind guides, how terrible it will be for you. For you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple. You can break the oath, but when you say that God is binding to swear by the gold in the temple, you blind fools. Which is greater, the gold or the temple? That makes makes the gold sacred. And you say that to take an oath by the altar can be broken, but to swear by the gifts on the altar is binding. How blind! For you which is... Is greater the gift on the altar or the altar that makes the gift sacred. When you swear by the altar, you are swearing by it and everything on it. And when you swear by the temple, you are swearing by it and by God, who lives in it. And when you swear by heaven, you are swearing by the throne of God and by God, who sits on the throne. How terrible it will be for you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest part of your income. But you ignore the important things of the law justice, mercy, faith. You should tithe, yes, but you should not leave undone the most important things. You blind guides. You strain, out, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, and then you swallow a whole camel. They were blind guides. They were hypocrites. It's not fun hearing all these things, it's not at all. They were leading people astray. Like these were the people that were leaders. They were thought of highly. They were looked upon as great leaders, great men. But they led people further away from the truth because they themselves misunderstood it. They were so careful to follow all the laws and all the rules that they missed God's heart. He said, "Uh, you didn't take care of the important things. The important things of uh, love or uh, mercy and faith. They were more concerned about what they could do for God than what they, what God could do with them. They were more they were more worried about their own position and their own power and their own authority than what they were about what God could do in them and through them. I love the fact that Jesus says, "You're trying to you know swallow a camel." I don't know what a camel looks like. It's been a long time since I've seen one, but I know what a baby calf looks like and I know what a pig looks like. And they wouldn't be easy to swallow (laughs) at all. But what God's saying is, you're so careful that you're missing this bigger picture. You're missing God's love. You're missing God's mercy. You're missing God's grace. I want to save you. My heart's breaking because you know you're doing some of the things, but you're doing it with the wrong motives. Instead of holding true to the promises of God, like in Isaiah, which they would have known. Again, you don't have to turn there. Um, i get it. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For a child is born unto us and given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. These will be his royal tithes, or royal titles. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His ever-expanding, peaceful government will never end. He will rule forever with fairness and justice. From the throne of his ancestor David, the passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty will guarantee this. This is stuff that they knew. This wasn't new to them. They would have known all these scriptures. They would have had all this stuff. But they're missing God's heart. And they're breaking Jesus', and they're ultimately going to put him to death on the cross, because they don't want to turn. They thought that their knowledge, they thought that their works would save them. But the only thing that it did was leave them destitute. Again Matthew 23. I'll, uh, yeah. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I wanted to gather your ch- children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is left to you empty and desolate. They had it all together on the outside. They looked good on the outside. Inside, it wasn't worth a Nothing. We're going to see that here in 25 through 28. How terrible it will be for you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are so careful to clean the outside of your cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup, and then the outside will become clean too. How terrible it will be for you teachers of religious law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside but filled with the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. You try to look upright, out, upright people outwardly, but inside your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. They're empty. There's no fulfillment. There's no fulfillment in knowledge. There's no fulfillment in workspace. It's It's empty. He's calling him out on it. He's saying, I love you. I want to be with you. I want you to see God's love. But instead, you're looking and saying, well, I'm all right. I didn't murder someone like this guy did on TV. I didn't steal something like this guy did over here. I'm not cursing like a sailor, like some people that I work with. I'm not robbing people of of this and I'm not doing that we're all sinners if we've stolen a pencil we've stolen if we've robbed a company of their time we stole from them if we've used profanity even in our own house where no one else can see we still did it all of us fall short Jesus saying, I'm the one that can save you. God's saying, I'm providing a savior for you. It's not about your works. It's not about, it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. And you're missing it. And again, this is nothing new that should be to the Pharisees and the religious leaders because they would have known Isaiah 59, oh 13 through 21. It says, We know that we have rebelled against the Lord. We have turned our backs on God. We know how unfair and and oppressive we have been, carefully planning our deceitful lies. Our courts oppose people who are righteous, and justice is somewhere now nowhere to be found. Truth falls dead in the streets, and fairness has been outlawed. Yes, the truth is gone, and anyone who tries to live a godly life is soon attacked. The Lord... The Lord looked and was displeased to find that there was no justice. He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them with his mighty power and justice. He put on righteousness as his body, armor, and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with the robes of vengeance and godly fury. He will repay his enemies for their evil deeds. His fury will fall on his foes and distant lands. Then at last they will respect and glorify the name of the Lord throughout the world. For he will come like a flood tide driven beneath by the, by the breath of the Lord. The Redeemer will come to Jerusalem, says the Lord, to buy back those in Israel who have turned from their sins. And this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit will not leave them, and neither will these words I have given you. They will be on your lips, on the lips of your children and your children's children forever. I, the Lord, have spoken. They were forewarned. God told them. He sent his messengers. He said, if you don't do this, if you don't get this right, this is what's going to happen. And they couldn't see that it was happening right there in front of their, right there in front of their eyes. It wasn't like they didn't know. It, was like, it wasn't like they didn't understand. They just missed God's heart. Jesus again was heartbroken. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is left to you desolate and empty. For I tell, the, tell you this, that you will never see me again until you say, bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They're unrepentant lives. We're going to see what happens to them. In the last little bit here of Matthew uh, 23, yeah, Uh, 29 through 36. How terrible it would be for you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrite! For you build tombs for the prophets, your ancestors killed, and decorate the graves of the godly people, your ancestors destroyed. Then you say, we would never have joined them in killing the prophets. In saying that, you are accusing yourselves of being the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead, finish what they started. You snakes, sons of vipers, how will you escape the judgment of hell? I will send you prophets and wise men and teachers of religious law. You will kill some by crucifixion and whip others in your synagogues, chasing them from city to city. As a result, you will become guilty of murder, murdering all the godly people, from righteous, righteous Abel to Zechariah, son of Barat. Yeah, we can read it. Whom, whom you murdered in the temple between the altar and the sanctuary. I assure you, all the accumulated judgment of the centuries will break upon the heads of this very generation. <clears throat> We're going to reap what we sow. If we, live apart of, if we live apart from God and we base our, our works off of, our, we base our relationship with God off of our works and we, re, we, we base whether or not we're going to go to heaven or hell on our knowledge, we're going to miss it. And we're going to get angry. And we're going to take it out on other people. And it's going to cause us to do things that we normally wouldn't do. We say we wouldn't do. And I know I'm just as guilty of it because I know I'm a lot like Peter. I'll never leave you or I'll never forsake you, Lord. What did he do when Jesus was being crucified? He ran. He denied him three times. Jesus came back and ate breakfast with him and pulled him aside and said, Do you love me? Peter said, Yes. Do you love me? Peter said, Yes. Do you love me? Peter got frustrated like I would get frustrated. Of course, Lord, you know me. You know my heart. I love you.' I like, go feed my sheep. God's forgiveness is there. Jesus' forgiveness is there. He paid it for us. <clears throat> Unless we repent, we can fall just as guilty and just as quickly as what the Pharisees did. We do great things. This, this church does amazing things. This congregation does amazing things. I've been over at Bridgeville a handful of times. They do amazing things over there, too. I've been part of other congregations. They do amazing things too. But if we miss the mark, we're going to hear those dreadful words. Lord, Lord, look at all the things that I've done in your name. And he's going to say, but I never knew you. Depart from me. That's the harsh reality of religion. If we deceive ourselves and think that just because we go to church, just because we do this, just because we do that, just because we don't do this, just because we don't do that, that's not going to get us into heaven. Oh, well, Chris, I know this scripture. <clears throat> I can quote any any verse. I can tell you exactly where it's at. Don't fool yourselves. It's great to know scripture. I wish I knew more of it. I wish I could quote it like some people do. I can't. But I know God. I know God. I know Jesus. And I know when I need it, he'll bring it to remembrance. He's spoken through mules. He's spoken through burning bushes. He's spoken through all kinds of stuff. He can surely use this foolish man up here to speak. Instead of reading, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, O Chris, O Chris, insert your name in there. O Scott, O Scott, O David, O David, hear Jesus' cry. Don't miss it. He's come to save us. He's come to give us a way out. He's come to free us. I know it's been kind of popularized for how can such a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't. Ultimately we choose it. And I'm going to flip it and say how can a loving God that you've rejected punish you by allowing him to spend eternity with him? If we're blind, if we're hypocrites, we can, have all the no- we can have all the knowledge. If it doesn't pierce our hearts, it's worthless. It's not about our knowledge, our works, that will save us from hell. It's about our personal relationship with Jesus that saves us from hell. <clears throat> I'll read that again. It's, so- it's not about our knowledge or our works that will save us from hell. It's about our personal relationship with Christ that saves us from hell. He wants, us, he wants to do so much more than just save us from hell. He wants to save our, whole, our, our souls, heal our hearts, and renew our minds. Out of that will come the works of the Spirit that will honor and glorify God. Satan wants to give us religion because it keeps us busy. It keeps us focused off of God. It keeps us away from God. The religious leaders were still used by God. They taught the law. They interpreted the law. They were still used but they missed it. Their end result would be eternity without God in hell. I know we covered a lot of scripture today, and I'm hoping that we can learn from the religious leaders of Jesus' time. That we can know all the scripture, do all the right things, go to church, but it's not going to save us. It's about the personal relationship that we have Jesus that will save us. I'm not saying that the church isn't important by any stretch of the imagination. It's very important to be an active member of a church body that will help us grow and be there to encourage us and strengthen us when we need it. We are the hands and work, or we are the hands and feet of God's of God, and we can do more together than we can do separately. But without Jesus, this is just another empty, empty building and empty religion. So please meet with God at his table. He's calling. He has a buffet like Shady Maple. And we can eat and eat and eat and rejoice with him and never gain an ounce. Jesus is our Savior. I guess we'll, we'll pray and then we'll go to the... Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your, your love, for your mercy, for your grace. We, thankful, we are thankful for how patient you are with us. Lord, your heartache and your hurt led you to the cross to bridge that gap for us that we can meet with you. And Lord, what a joyous time it is when we can turn and repent and we can come back to you. Lord, there's none of us that are too far from your, from your grace, from your mercy, from your arm's reach that you can't save us. Lord, we just ask that... Uh, you search our hearts this week? Lord, that we know who you are, and more importantly, you know who we are. Lord, help us to build that relationship. Allow us to spend those quiet times with you, talking with you, fellowshipping with you. Lord, so that we may bring honor and glory to you. Lord, we just ask this for your honor and glory. In your son's holy name we pray, amen.